Hey guys, welcome back to episode number two of the Inner Dragons podcast, where we interview community leaders to share and empower their voices to inspire the next generation of youth leaders. My name is Raj Parekh. And my name is Nathan Liu. And today we have a wonderful guest here with us. She is a leader in our local community here in California and just an overall amazing human being. So I would love to introduce Miss Brianna Stickney. How are you? Hello, I'm doing great. So grateful to be here with you guys. It's definitely a pleasure to get to have a conversation with you. Awesome. So let's just get right into it. For So we, we did a little bit of talking beforehand, but for those uh, audience members that don't know, you know, who you are or what you do, could you give us a little bit of background as to, you know, how you uh, help the community and your background? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know what, I actually just ended a role. Um, I was working for um, the city that I actually live in, um, where I was the homeless resources coordinator. So a lot of what I did was helping the city uh, engage the community around homelessness. So I was a bridge in a lot of ways. So whether it was bridging staff um, within the city around um, addressing homelessness, because different departments were impacted by homelessness in different ways, so helping them out. Um, whether it was a bridge to the uh, faith community and advocates, people who are really trying to advocate for homeless resources, or um, helping fill gaps within different nonprofits. Um, we weren't necessarily providing services, but we were the ones trying to, like in my role, I was trying to help coordinate things so that when there were gaps, they were being filled, um, whether it's financial or volunteers, different things like that, and definitely trying to help um, educate the community on homelessness. Um, in addition, I also helped, um, or I, I took a lot of like complaints because obviously a lot of people are frustrated with the situation as well. So um, some uh, kind right. of customer service around that, I guess you could say, and, and helping alleviate <laughs> um, any any issues that were coming up. So um, my, my, my job encompassed a lot um, and, and I, I really loved that role, um, but unfortunately coronavirus ruined everything for everyone. <laughs> and so my hours were actually cut and I'm a mom of two young littles. And so it just wasn't worth working part-time um, and paying for childcare, which is the struggle of most working women. Mm. So, um, so I had to step <laughs> away but still definitely um, engaged um, specifically in the faith community and really trying to get them plugged into, um, you know, caring for their city. Um, I can share a little bit about background. Um, you mentioned that as well. So um, in short, uh, I graduated college thinking I knew what I wanted to do and realized, oh snap, I need to pay off student debt and need to work. And so I ended up having to stay local when I graduated and ended up working at a Panera. And during a year after I, I had graduated, um, unfortunately there was a big event that happened and it, it gained national attention where a man experiencing homelessness, um, you know, he, he ended up dying um, at the hands of police officers. And that um, at the time when I was at, in, in the Panera, I was actually seeing this turmoil happen just simply by being present consistently in one place in the community during that time. So I saw the impacts of that event in the city. Um, you know, there were protests that were happening, you know, people were, you know, destroying buildings and things like that. Um, and, or I saw the dynamic between police and um, the community members. Um, I saw 
political leaders coming into to the Panera and how they were kind of, um, you know, the weight that they were carrying. I saw community members come. So Panera was almost like this hub where I saw a lot of people interacting and engaging with what was going on. And it really opened my eyes to homelessness in the community. And so that was the beginning of my journey um, and calling towards, um, essentially in my eyes, I see it as peacemaking. Um, you know, I just kind of go where I see that there are struggles um, and homelessness was a really big one that my eyes were open to. It was kind of in my own little college island. And then that, is, that uh, situation really opened my eyes to the realities of homelessness. And so, um, so basically it was over the next like four years, just being present, um, there was a task force that was formed out of that to, a, to figure out how we can prevent a situation like that from happening again. Um, and uh, I ended up getting a job where I got to help implement those um, recommendations that came out of that task force. So anyways, all that to say, um, it was just this journey of being present in my community during this um, time of turmoil. And then the, the things that came out of that um, that kind of led to um, where I am today, whether it was working for a church and helping churches get engaged around homelessness or um, in creating education pieces for them to, to learn about the issue itself and, and the people and, and, and be able to help with compassion and with best practice uh, to sitting in collaboratives with a mix of different people and organizations and government and all these different things and, and really um, trying to get people to work together um, to working with the city, you know? So um, yeah, that's kind of been my background is just been a lot of continuing to bridge gaps around the issue of homelessness, specifically in the city that I live in. Um, and I, I'm really grateful for that. Wow, I think it is important, especially right now in this current climate with the pandemic. And to, to go along with what you're talking about, um, do you think that there's any implication for how the community members and the city itself are treating the homeless? And uh, is there anything that we should change? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, when it comes to homelessness, it's taken time for people to accept that it's an, a, an issue within communities. Um, and so when I started this work back in 2011, 12, you know, people didn't want to really see it as something worth giving attention to. Um, and uh, from, I would say, from a local government all the way up, you know, there wasn't a lot of funding and, and, and um, focus. Um, however, in the last, you know, five, seven years, it's, it's become very blatant that this is something that across our country, people are struggling um, to sustain themselves to be able to stay within their homes. Right. And so with the pandemic, honestly, there, it was, it's something that obviously added a, a another dynamic to the issue, but I would say, in in a sense, I'm grateful that people woke up, you know, to realize that that we need to pay attention to this. We need to devote resources and time and and empathy and compassion towards people experiencing homelessness. Um, and so when COVID hit, uh, you know, we were there was already, and I my scope is Orange County, so I I can really speak to that confidently I can't say this is true across you know California or America um, I know it's very different in different counties um, but at least within Orange County people were already ready um, to to help people were we were already in a trajectory of providing shelter and 
um, outreach and housing. These were things that we were already on the road to. Specifically where um, I was working, the city I was working in, um, you know, something that wouldn't probably have passed, but because of, um, again, the push that's kind of been happening through this last, these last few years, um, we were able to, for example, do a, like a safe parking program. Um, and so, like I said, shelter, outreach, all these other things have been kind of in motion. And so with you know, COVID that, that just kind of amplified, just trying to get, create spaces and opportunities for people to get into shelter. Um, you know, the state released um, funding for motels. So we had people who were very vulnerable, um, likely to get coronavirus. They were um, able to get housing and in, into hotels. Um, uh, motels uh, through this project called Project Room Key. And so that's something that I know our city and a lot of people throughout the state were um, taking up opportunity to do. So outreach workers would go find people um, who are in need of that kind of pre prevention um, or people who were showing symptoms of COVID um, also got to uh, participate in that. So that's something that I guess you could say was already on, we were on the road of making sure shelter was um, accessible, but with COVID, it pushed that to happening even um, quicker for the most vulnerable. Um, but right. another factor, um, you know, people have been living in their cars um, due to, you know, job loss and all these different things in, prior to coronavirus. But, um, but even more so now, more and more people um, are losing their jobs. People who aren't having the sustainable work, temporary jobs, um, jobs that you know aren't paying a livable wage those are the ones who have been very impacted by this uh, um, you know epidemic and um and so because of that they are you know being forced to have to leave their homes and live in their cars and so our city passed um a safe parking program that's something i'm very proud of that i got to do in my time with the city is getting on it we got that up and going in a month this was before coronavirus um, but because of coronavirus um, it got extended. And so it's been going on for a year now um, mm -hmm. when it was only supposed to be a pilot program. So this, I would say, um, you know, with, with the, um, with coronavirus, it, it has really pushed cities to do projects that they probably wouldn't have done. Um, Cause right. they're, you know, they, they're kind of like homelessness to address it. It takes a, a, a lot of different approaches. Um, housing ultimately is the, the solution to homelessness, right? People are homeless because they don't have a house. <laughs> so that's yeah. ultimately the, the goal. But the, the way to get people there um, looks different um, for different people. And so um, I would say now there's a lot more creativity and openness to that uh, when it comes to getting people to that place because of COVID. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that you mentioned uh, within all those solutions and new, uh, you know, help and assistance that you did mention, uh, which we will get into later, um, is the word sympathy, the word openness. Um, I really want to get into the causes um, of homelessness because there's a big misconception. Uh, I feel that a lot of people don't understand how people even get to a point in their lives where they don't have shelter, where they don't have a safe home and uh, resources to lead their lives in what some people would think of as is a normal, a normal life, you know? And could you, could you speak on that? What yeah. do you think is the main uh, cause or causes of homelessness and why, why do you think it's important for us to know that 
because I think if we do understand that, then that sympathy and openness will, um, will in the end, at the end of the day, like we can bridge that gap. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so thankfully we have data now that we can say, we know that this is what is causing homelessness in pretty much nationwide. However, I do want to um, give a shout out. I have a friend named Bex Hayho, and she's the executive director um, to a organization called United to End Homelessness. So uh, it's a really great resource if you are looking to learn about homelessness and ways you can get involved. Um, it's United to End Homelessness.org. They actually did a, a case study, or um, a case study here in, in uh, Orange County, a cost study specifically on uh, the cost of homelessness. And, and it's really trying to lay out why housing people is, le- is like uh, more affordable than trying to sustain them on the street. And in that they were able to sample, have a sample of people and, um, and get the data as to their causes of homelessness. And so from that cost study, which is, um, you can find that through the United to End Homelessness website, the top causes of homelessness were, um, they securing and retaining uh, a job with a sustainable wage. So obviously, you know, coronavirus that has definitely added more uh, people to to uh, that number of people who have lost uh, their homes due to that. So um, finding affordable housing is huge. There is a lack of affordable housing in California. We all know that in the the program that we were working with uh, the safe parking program, that was the biggest hurdle or that is the biggest hurdle for a lot of the clients because a lot of them have a disability and so they're not able to work. And so they're dependent on like SSI, which is social security um, or disability. And so they're not able to afford housing with just that funding. So definitely affordable housing, a lack of it. Um, family issues. I, our first clients for the safe parking program were actually a, a very young couple with a, uh, she was, this is a baby, I think was three months. Uh, and they were living in their car because they got kicked out of, you know, one of their parents' house because yeah. of some situation, the argument. So like they were ended up on the street. So that's an example of uh, family issues. Uh, there's not a place for people who are extremely uh, mentally ill. Legally, you cannot force someone to get the help that they need. They have to be able to say, I want the help. And I personally have helped friends who have had a mental break, um, you know, who struggle with with a mental illness, whether it's bipolar um, or something else. But, um, and it's, I, you know, I've been in a situation where you literally have to help people get to a place for them to say, yes, I need help. Um, Mm -hmm. And and even in that, you know, if if they are gravely mentally ill, um, they're not, they're too sick to know to say, yes, I need help. Right. So those mm-hmm. are the people that when you, you know, oftentimes you see maybe pushing a shopping cart, um, talking to themselves, there's not a place for them. And so, um, because they have to say, I need help and they can't. And then the, uh, last one I would say is, uh, people who are, who've just been released from prison, uh, re-entry post, uh, experience, you know, being in jail is, mm-hmm. uh, choppy and it's hard for people to navigate. And oftentimes people don't have a lot of resources unless there's a group. And sometimes the group is so inundated uh, trying to help people like they can't get them all. And so that is another factor. Uh, We see a lot of young people, you know, jail often is the response to addiction and other things as well. And so uh, those tend to be a lot of the younger people, at least in my experience that I've seen. Um, Yeah. 
have been who are on the street you know tend to have a hard time re-entering and getting back on their feet yeah i think a lot of what you mentioned are either factors that are you know out of someone's control or factors that you know need assistance or need help but they they can't get themselves um, that help or they're not they don't they're unaware of those resources so like after you know discussing these causes and seeing um, I guess homelessness from the perspective uh, of someone who's you know uh, been there and seen people who've experienced it I think my question to you would be um, aside from the solutions that you've mentioned um, you know prior prior to this what concrete solutions do you see uh, for the future not only through government but what can we do as um, you know, the youth or citizens of our community um, to help this, uh, you know, homeless crisis. Yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, so there, we like to kind of in the homelessness world, we like to talk about um, the system, like a system of care and, and taking care of the whole person. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, there, like I mentioned, if you, from a, from a nonprofit slash I'll say a good portion of government would say housing is the solution to homelessness okay so that that's so housing is is key to that someone is no longer homeless when they have a home so there's that um and so one way people can help with that is advocating so for example here in the city I live in we have um there's different forms of housing that can help people who are in different groups um, experiencing homelessness so for example the the person who i mentioned excuse me who i mentioned that would probably be struggling with mental illness they need extra support so there is housing called permanent supportive housing and basically it's housing where people who are experiencing some form of mental illness can live and have that support wraparound services that they need to, to be able to um, live a sustainable life and uh, be, um, you know, have people be able to look out for them. And so a way that someone could easily uh, help with that is be an advocate. And so even through the United and Homelessness uh, website, you can see they have this thing called Housing Champions and it's all about trying to train people up to be an, an advocate and a champion for housing in their community, because that is a key piece of that. And so donating food to different organizations is also very important. A lot of organizations do food pantries and things like that as well. Um, so that's definitely a way to, um, to get involved. Um, what else? Let's see, solution-wise. Um, you know, if you say when you go to college, so let's say you get into like social social work or, or something like that. There's a lot of organizations who do outreach. Um, and so they often have internships that allow people to, who are kind of in those you know, social service world, um, maybe majors, they allow you to intern with them. And so that is a great way to get you know, boots on the ground um, and working to try to connect people to resources and services. And so that is a very practical way to, to be with the people and, and, and reach out and try to pull them into that system of care. Um, yeah, so I think that's, those are the, the big thing. Education is huge. Um, there's a lot of um, you know, myths that are out there. And again, shout out to this United in Homelessness. They actually have a page that's all about um, myth busting. And so you can read mm-hmm. that on there. 
but education is is so important um, as much as doing the work. It's it's so important to be informed before, sometimes before you even start because people want to help, but sometimes they help in very um, impractical or not helpful ways that leave a negative impact, whether on a person, the person they're helping or the community at large. And yeah. so um, it's very important to also be educated. Um, so again, United in Homelessness has a Homelessness 101 class that you can take through, um, through they're doing virtual right now. Um, we used to do one too. I'm a part of, I help with an organization called Fullerton Act, which is, again, is a collaborative of churches. And so we actually, before, this is before United and Homelessness was here, but we did one for our community and it was so helpful for people to kind of hear from the people doing the work, um, you know, about homelessness to, again, build that understanding. Because when we don't understand things, right, people tend to function out of fear and then they don't do anything or they can it can turn to hate it can turn to you know mm -hmm. it turns to a lot of different things so mm -hmm. um education is definitely a big part of that as well so get educated i would say i think <laughs> i i'm just so grateful to have this conversation because i feel that i've had just only a cultural background or cultural perspective on the issue of homelessness and to see all of the structural changes that the government as well as people like me can make it's just it's so eye-opening and empowering to see and i i think to to wrap up this wonderful interview i would love to direct a question towards you miss dickney so we have a question from a listener and they are wondering what is the biggest takeaway you've had from life so far yes um my biggest takeaway is know that things are always bound to change, but to always uh, kind of roll with the punches. Um, I thought I knew what I wanted to do and uh, that was quickly shaken up and I just had to have open hands and a willingness to step into uncomfortable and new situations. And with that, I feel like every step of the way has been made open for me um, to then discover more and more of my strengths more and more of my place. And so I think, um, you know, I think that's the big thing is just being okay with change um, and, and that plans are, are meant to change, you know? And, and sometimes I yeah. will say, you know, people, like my husband is an engineer. He knew he wanted to be an engineer. He went to school to be an engineer and now he's an engineer and he's killing it. Uh, that isn't everyone. Um, and so for our people who aren't in that space, uh, like me, <laughs> who are kind of like, what am I doing with my life? Um, uh, you know, it, being okay with, with the con with change and, and pushing yourself um, in, in new ways and not getting comfortable and knowing that if things change, like right now I, I'm not working, um, that there's still a place for me to continue to serve and to discover more of who I've been created to be. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of importance to that. And in a similar vein, do you have a favorite quote that you live by or inspires you? Yes. So I am a huge music fan. So I would love to say I read all these books um, and I'm inspired by all these books, but honestly, music has been a big, big, big um, influence on my life. And so um, I, there is a band that I love. Their name is uh, it's called uh, King's Kaleidoscope. And I literally would listen to the song every day when I would um, go to work because working for government um, is hard. <laughs> I'll say that, right? There's politics mm. and dynamics mm -hmm. and all these different things, right? And so I kind of had to pump myself up because I'm right. like, who am I? I'm just this community member who now works here. And, 
you know, what do I have to offer? And, you know, you have all these self-doubts. Um, but my faith, um, it, I'm a Christian and my faith in Jesus has played a really big role in me pursuing um, the steps that I have. And so um, this uh, quote from a song called Dust, uh, I, I listen to the song every day and, and the quote is, I'm realizing that all my striving is chasing wind, is chasing wind, but you have freed me so I can just be nothing to prove, nothing to lose. And it was just this reminder of the freedom that I have mm. uh, because of my faith to truly just live out this calling and confidence, knowing that um, I'm serving a God who is good and who wants the world to be whole and um, no love again. And so for me, it was, that was my kind of pump up song to say, Hey, I'm stepping into a place that can be really hard, but I can do this because I have this freedom in Christ. Um, and so that's my, uh, kind of my quote that kind of got me through and continues to get me through. Wow. I absolutely love that message. And honestly, that it comes from a song, I am a equally big fan of music. And so I, I think that it really shows that you can take inspiration from so many different things in your life. And I'm just so glad that you were able to share yours. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share. And um, yeah, it's such you guys are at such a critical time in, in life. And uh, but I think for me, I'm like, I just hope my story reminds you that um, we're all in process, we're all learning, and there's always more for us to learn. And so as long as we're open to to that, to be teachable, I think, um, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna find uh, yourself thriving. And um, even in the hard times, like there's always something, uh, you know, to learn. So thank sure. you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much um, for joining us. I mean, I think it was very informative for not only me and Nathan, but I think uh, for the audience that that listens to this for sure. Awesome. Thank you guys. You're you guys are both awesome. And thank you for this platform. And I'm so excited to to listen to more of your guys's podcasts that come out um, to be inspired by other leaders as well. Oh, we appreciate it. 100%. And then with that being said, uh, thank you. Thank you to the audience for listening. And if you guys want to catch more episodes of the Inner Dragon podcast, make sure to check us out at every platform you can think of, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and much more. We'll see you on the next episode.